Welcome again to the Studio Spares Lockdown podcast, in which we talk to professionals in different parts of the music and audio industries about the effects of the virus and lockdown. And importantly, we also look to the future and think about post-lockdown and what it means to musicians, voiceover artists, agencies, venues, and other parts of our industry. In this episode, I speak to Pete Mills, who, as well as being owner of Sandhill Studios and longtime technician for Elton John, Pete is also one of the founders of Peaks, an innovative system that allows the individual gig-goer to control mix elements of a live concert. So welcome, Pete. How are you, mate? That was fantastic. Oh, I'm doing my best. Doing my best. Yeah, you know, words. How are you doing? Are you well? Yeah, very well, thank you very much. Yeah, sort of um, tucked away down in Guildford here. Yeah, it's all good. All locked up and uh, uh, keeping safe. That's the main thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's mine's been a little bit of an anomaly, really, because, you know, this is my job. So I've, I've had to sort of come here to sort of, you know, maintain the studios and keep everything ticking over. All the guys have their own rooms, so everybody's been isolated. Right. Um, and we've all been sitting in the courtyard you know, opposite ends of the courtyard and stuff like that, drinking coffee and talking and stuff. So it's, it's actually, I, I feel like I'm very, very lucky that I haven't actually, can you imagine being cooped up in a flat or something like that? So tough, very, very tough. lucky. Yeah, very like, lucky. Like my little room, you mean? I'm yeah. Me. yeah. So actually yeah. tell us a bit about um, uh, about Sandhill Studios because you oh. have recording as well as rehearsals as well, don't you? So how, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got, you know, it goes back a long way. It's been here a long time when my band, in the early days, in the 80s, uh, when we were managed, I'll, I'll talk to you about this later, but when we were managed uh, by John Glover, um, we needed somewhere to rehearse. And mum and dad had this place as a sort of, a, you know, like a, a fun place for the kids, you know, riding school for the girls, they had their own horses and stuff like that. So, and that's where it all started from. Um, they kind of moved off after 10 years and decided to disappear to Wales and do their thing down there. And I ended up sort of, well, I might as well stay here. So I took over the lease, took over the rent, et cetera, et cetera. And then started to all the buildings that me and my brother and my dad had actually built over the, over the year, built over the years, we slowly started to convert them into those little tiny sort of bijou um, sort of studio rooms, you know, um, production suite. So yeah, well, it started with my own thing, really, you know, the old, good old fashioned B16. Well, it was eight TAC eight track before that. And the Fostec four track before that and all that sort of stuff through the whole, you know, the whole era, if you like, into digital. Um, and then basically just sort of branching out from that, um, you know, Send Hill became all, all of the all the extra little peripheral rooms around the outside. Yeah, yeah, you can rent that one. So it became, and it is all, believe it or not, it's all musicians, mainly drummers, would you believe? Well, so I'm in, the middle, I'm, in, I'm in the middle of the field in the middle of nowhere, yeah. So yeah. being in the middle of nowhere, a few, I've got um, Richard Brooke, who does all ABC and all that sort of stuff, all of the 80s stuff. Uh, there's Matt, who used to, he he did a tour with Kylie Minogue. He's another drummer. I've got another guy that does all the theatre stuff up in London. Okay. And then there's various other people. And then my my main guy is if you look on the website, it comes up as Masterlink, and that's James. And he's been he's kind of my right hand man here. He's got his own Pro Tools studio as well. Right. Um, right. And that's kind of how it all developed over that period of time, basically. So rehearsal <laughs> studios ticking over in the background. And and you you have one of the artists that I used to play. We've had Hazel O'Connor in there. Um, yeah, yeah. She was in, uh, she, um, was it last, it was last year. She was booked to come in again this year, April. Uh -huh. uh, but that obviously all got cancelled pretty quickly. So, uh, but she, she previously, like, I think it was last November, December, that we had taught because they were doing a joint tour, yeah. Toya yeah. and Hazel O'Connor. Yeah. So they came here 
it's great but then we had you know we had robert fripp sitting in the kitchen drinking coffee and chatting to everyone it was just like bonkers but yeah we've done all of those types of people uh procol harem rehearse here all the time and, and to then, be fair, uh, a, I mean, it's a great it's a great uh, facility because i mean obviously i've, yeah. I've been down there uh, yeah. but um I mean, you're not quite in the middle of nowhere, but you're you're really well situated just outside of London, uh, yeah. really accessible. But yep. it's just it's out the way. It's you know yep. you've got a driveway up. No, 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 no. We we sort of we've been really really lucky, and we've got a fantastic relationship with the local parish council, and we've got a great relationship with the um, locals as well. Um, actually the house down the road there literally right. straight down there is the vicar who married me and my, my wife michelle right. uh, and then on the corner um he's actually after a little bit of my land at some point but i'm keeping him in the bag just in case <laughs> need, you know you know what i mean i know um, so um great. yeah it's been great and you know we we did it all correctly you know we went through the right processes has got all of our planning permissions etc etc health and safety and so on and so forth because obviously there's a lot of stuff I do here because it's kind of a farmyardy type yeah. thing. Yeah. So it's a lot of stuff I do, but it's all done with health and safety in mind and making mm. sure everybody's safe. All the kids, any kids come up, they're only allowed in a certain area. They can't go off into the fields and hurt themselves or any of that, yeah. all that sort of stuff. So it's it's yeah. all pretty pretty well controlled. That's probably why I couldn't get into the field then, because you. Yeah. Well, no, I did, at that point I hadn't given you, I hadn't given you the gate code, so. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so t tell us a bit about Elton, because obviously you you worked for Elton for yeah. years. So, well, how, I did, so when I did, did you an official up? an official twenty six years, um, and when Peaks came to you know when Powercord Peaks Powercord is the company and Peaks is the product. Um, when they came to me, the boss said, you know, look, are you going to concentrate on that one? And I, to be really honest, I didn't really fancy a three year world tour. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been doing it for 30, 35 years, touring for 35 years. And so, I can't, got, um, so who else did you tour with before? Well, Elton? before, before Elton, uh, was you go Wests and your Beverly Cravens and okay. I did Gillen and Glover and blah, 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 loads of other stuff, um, okay. and so on. And then, um, the Elton thing came along and obviously, that took precedence really because it was the best money and yeah. it was um yeah, how did you get that gig how well that was actually that was actually i mean if you want to go back historically i mean everything's linked isn't it and basically johnny glover kept me on board as uh, after the my band failed uh blueprint management and uh, said do you want to do you want to look after go west so my first official pro gig out of finishing all of that um TIAC and Fostec studio stuff and so yeah. on and getting it ready for digital as that all hit in the early 90s the digital stuff where you actually switch from ADAT tapes to the actual the computer oh my I god I remember it well all of the all of the audios <laughs> on the computer it's going to go horribly and anybody wrong. with grey or white hair like yeah, us, no, remember that yeah absolutely yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. so yeah we did all that and I mean what an amazing thing we can do now considering yeah. we used to say wouldn't it be great if we could take those vocals and just put them there? Yeah. And in the old yeah. days, you had to do it with a bit of tape and splicing and pushing the Revox button and all that nonsense. It was great fun. And everybody remembers that really, really fondly. But you think, my God, you used to sit there for about an hour a day just waiting for the tape machine. Spinning vocals in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the whole, not, you know, that yeah. whole thing. But, um, sorry, I've lost my train of thought. That's so right. go back to, yeah, Johnny Glover, Go West, uh, da, 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 Beverly Craven, and then obviously... Charlie Morgan was drumming for Beverly Craven and we hit it off like I was production manager, stage manager, production manager. And um, we just hit it off, you know, and la we kind of latched onto each other and he, he got what he needed, you know, because he's quite, quite a, 
you know, because uh, of his talent, you know, they're sort of like quite neat, you know, it's a horrible word to say, but needy people, needy, needy musicians. <laughs> type thing. But he's really, really a cool, cool guy. Um, and that's how the Elton thing started. I got a phone call after Beverly Craven finished. Um, and he said, look, I've just been offered the Elton John gig back because he'd had it before. Right. He'd had it in the, in the early in the eighties, late eighties, or something like that. Yeah. So anyway, he got he's got offered that he did two or three albums with Elton and everything, oh, leather jackets okay. and so on. And he called me up one day and said, "Look, I know it's a step backwards from stage manager or production manager, but would you come and be my drum tech?" Right. So I went. I knew I, I knew nothing about drums. <laughs> so I learned everything I learned about drums and drum teching. I learned on the fly, winging it with Charlie, pretending I knew what I do, okay. I knew what I was doing and so on. And that's how I got into it kind of thing. And um, yeah, he called me up and said, look, you know, talk to Keith Bradley if you're interested and the, the rest is history because it was, it was a, a no brainer. And you, obviously you moved on from being a drum tech and you ended up being yeah. a keyboard tech effectively, didn't you? Well, the drum, the drum, in, drum teching thing went on for about eight years. So we did like three or four world tours, you know, with Charlie and Elton uh, and a few of us did other things in between uh etc cetera, etc cetera. and then um the Charlie thing kind of went a bit pear-shaped for him and then I my daughter was born and I said oh I don't want to be a, I don't want to be on the road all the time when my daughter's but bo- bo- you know when my daughter's uh, just about to be born so I said no um Keith I'm really really sorry but I'm gonna have to sidestep it he went oh don't worry about it it's all right I'm sure there's lots of other bits and pieces we can do with you or whatever because he obviously sussed out you know I could do this and I could do that and then it turned into all these other different hats as in oh do you want can you oh we don't have a guitar tech for Davey Johnson can you come and look after Davey so I did like a whole tour and loads of stuff with Davey um and that included obviously the bass player Bob Birch as well at the time and then I've done a few bit of Tony Smith mate your mate and my mate yeah he's I've helped him out a couple of times when he's not been able to do certain bits so I did a bit of keyboard tech in as well um and then uh keith sat us down one day me and me and dale sticker who's the main elton piano tech who elton you know can't do a gig without him right but if he has to do a gig without him keith had a dilemma on his hands as in how does he keep elton happy yeah so we were in a gig we were in this bonkers gig in i think it was in france somewhere like versailles or something like versailles opera house before they tore it down and it was 70 it was like going back to the 1700s and we were sitting on the stage and we, we, you're looking up and everything's wooden you go down in the basement and there's all these wooden wheels with all the ropes and oh, oh my god i've never seen anything like it anyway we're sitting on the stage and keith said you know look i need some cover would you would you be happy and dale and i were best mates on the tour for the whole of the charlie morgan bit yeah kind of how dale got the gig in the first place because he covered me for a little bit at the very beginning and then got the gig with Elton so we were all happy everybody was in you know having a great time um and he said you know would you look after Elton on the odd you know one-offs or corporates because corporates come yeah 15 a year at huge amounts of money um rather than fly the whole American crew over to do a, a gig in Russia or a gig in wherever you know Abu Dhabi or Dubai or wherever <clears throat> he could have a crew over here i.e you know especially on the solo shows it would be me so yeah. it was me and there's another, there's other companies involved that that did this, did those kind of gigs all the time. Um, so yeah, I actually got to stare down the barrel of the gun as well. And and because he was doing those, uh, he did a whole string of shows, didn't he, with uh, Ray Cooper? Well, yeah, Ray Ray's been in and out, uh, you know, my whole career. He was there 
uh, well, when I first started 92, so we did 92 to 94, 95, something like that. And then Ray came back in and did Brunei. We, everybody did Brunei at the time. Right. Everybody went to Brunei, consultant of Brunei or Prince of Brunei and did gigs out there. Tina Turner, Michael Jackson, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So we were out there. We had a great time, actually, because we had um, Brian Adams with us. So we had Brian oh, Adams. Right. Yeah, well, Brian Adams, his, his, his band turned up with no crew. So the Elton John, Tony looked after such and such. I looked after Mickey Curry. Some, yeah. uh, Rick, Rick Salazar looked after, um, you know, guitar player. His name slipped my mind, but memory. But they're lovely, lovely people. Yeah. Um, so that was the Brunei side of things. And then Ray was on the main tour. Then, for whatever reason, he wasn't on the main tour. And then, obviously, 2011 is when the Vegas thing started. Right. The second, okay, yeah. the second run of Vegas, which became a different show because Ray was involved and they used his big, you know, way, you know, the big gong and the big yeah, thing. The full set up. The way he does his thing. It's just yeah. absolutely bonkers. Um, and so the Red Piano was the first tour, uh, the first set of Las Vegas shows. Yeah. And then the uh, was a Million Dollar. As well. Was that a Caesars as well? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I, I got, I, it's really, really unfortunate, but poor, poor, our, our lovely guy, Bill Harrison, who was, uh, Ray's main tech and had worked for the home knew Keith Bradley since the beginning. Everybody knew everybody. It was right, amazing. Yeah. Unfortunately, he kind of passed away, and I got I got offered Ray's gig because Ray knew me from looking after Charlie. Right. Okay. And with that connection, he said, "Well, would you come and do that?" And it's like, "Yeah, I can tune a timpani, not knowing anything <laughs> about it." <laughs> There's no electronics involved, so it was the best gig ever. Oh, right. Once you were set, you were set. Yeah, I mean, it's just brilliant. And are just they, making sure they raise congas there. I sorry, raise bongos there, aren't they? Yeah, but yeah. There are a set of LPs that we got sent over to the UK because we had to double up his set. So we had right. two systems: okay. one in Vegas and one in the UK, one in Europe. And then when it goes on a world tour, those systems can then leapfrog because Elton's actually got three complete backline systems. I don't know right. if you knew that. No, I, I did. So, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. so that they can actually uh, yeah. leap. Oh, oh, that one's going there. This one's going there. And then when that one's done, that will go there. And, and of course, he, he, as you say, he did these solo shows. So I, I, mean, yep. I remember Tony, Tony telling me at one point that yeah. they, they would be leapfrogging these like full yep. rigs, and then he would yep. go fly off somewhere in between and do a solo yep. show wherever, yep. and then you know come yep. and join the tour and, and so so yep. hugely. Well, well, when that when the tour was when I wasn't on the tour full time, as in you know, I was bringing up my daughter and having a great time with her kind of thing. That was when I used to get the call for the sort of week here and a week there. Right. Okay. Because uh, the tour would be out, and they couldn't risk, you know, anything happening to that. That that was a different system that yeah. did that gig. So yeah. they didn't use the touring system. No, so no, then no. they used a different crew, um, and there was um, Simon Hodge was our monitor guy who's yeah. front of house for Robbie Williams yeah um, and so on and so forth Simon, oh he's lovely yeah, yeah really nice guy I mean, and, yeah, and, and of course it's not just when it's set up it's when it's, it's broken down and it's in the truck every place everything has its place and you know yeah. what's there so to take elements of it just for a, a quick gig off somewhere else is just not yeah. not not yeah. Vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, it doesn't. It doesn't work. And the corporates are literally just Elton. So you turn up as long as you've got a grand piano with, and we had a grand piano, a spare grand piano. Well, I say a spare grand piano. We had five black grand pianos that were on right. the tour all the time. And the one that I got to use most of the time for the corporates with um, Adrian Collie was the sort of production guy for that for Elton. He was right. his old production guy from the seventies, um, and still running the yard, if you like. Um, yeah. He would he would do all of the logistics etc etc right and Winifred was my piano that's the piano I, right. that I used to use. They all had names. Yeah. Did yeah, you remember them all? 
Winifred Atwell, Nina Simone, uh, uh, Aretha Franklin. Uh, I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna struggle now, aren't I? There's one more. Uh, hang on, one, uh, Winifred, Nina, uh, Winifred, uh, Kay, Kay, can't remember her name, and oh god, who was? We've got a red piano as well, and there's a name for that, but I can't remember. Right. I think that might be Nikita, actually. Oh, okay. Oh, right. Probably, okay. Yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah, you could probably Google it. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah let's go and check it out. Okay, but then there's the original, but there's the original original piano, which was okay. the first time Elton switched to Yamaha from Steinway. Yeah. Um, and that piano was called Diana. Right. Okay. Can you believe? And it was the one that was used at the church, that, 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 uh, right, the okay. cathedral, and so on and so forth. And that one, I I know where that one is, and I have seen it since. Um, right. And it, it's in it's in um, temperature controlled storage and one day that will come back out and be part sure. of his legacy. Yeah. Wow. So, Fantastic. Yeah. Beautiful well, Beautiful. <laughs> so obviously you've, you've, you've been on the road for years and obviously you've yeah. been running Sandhill at the same time. So yeah. th then you came up with uh, Peaks. Um, so yeah, just, I know Peaks, I know what it is. I've experienced Peaks. So I, I know exactly, you know, uh, the results and, and what it what it does but maybe maybe you could explain exactly what the system is and what the benefits are for the user well in uh, with a bit of explanation as to how it came about as well maybe. yeah yeah that'd be great yeah, so well i mean great graham and i are the sort of co-founders you know of the company so we kind of come up with the idea together kind of him me, me more from the logistical how do you do that sort of thing and him the well how are we going to do the tech side of things because he was a lot more tech savvy with yeah. regards to dealing with high tech companies and we we sort of said he, he basically said to me when i saw a gig sounded terrible and i said well funny enough i've been listening to elton's gigs on my in-ears all my career so that's why i've still got my hearing i think yeah. um and i have a fantastic sound every night and we just sort of sit there i said well it'd be amazing you know if you could sort of if, if everybody could hear what i heard Yes. So that's kind of how the whole over a cup of coffee and a couple of beers in the pub sort of, and that's how that all started. And he said, well, you know, I've got this investor guy that's interested in such and such. I wonder whether we could get sort of a system where we could deliver a delivery system to deliver that audio to everybody in the venue. Right. And that's basically how it started. Uh, he then went off and did his thing and went to RTX. I held Elton in the bag. I had Elton in the bag, but held him back, held it back from introduction to power cord and peaks yeah. just in case the feasibility study and the uh, proof of concept and, none, and any of those things didn't work. Yeah. And we found this company in Denmark that actually came up with the goods and mm -hmm. they kind of made it, they kind of made it how obviously, you know, got paid for it kind of thing. And, yeah. But we own all the patents for all the ideas, et cetera, et cetera. Just tell us exactly what it does. Just so with, well, as Elton's probably the, easiest way to sort of explain it is is that yeah. i take a feed from i can take a feed from anywhere i need an audio feed of either the five stems that the front of house guy is happy to give me yeah. or as with elton i take a 90 channel feed from alan elton's monitor guy right. that's where i get my maddie split i get my maddie okay. split from him and that goes back into our relationship with all the gear and all yeah. that sort of stuff early doors uh we now take it into our little uh sack and saw software audio console and software audio workstation software which i fact which is part of the early days as well because i found that software with through keith bradley and alan elton's monitor guy and just went wow this is really simple but really really effective so i get all 90 channels from el from alan yeah. of elton's show 
all everything you want, all Ray, everything. Um, and then what we do is, is we basically mix that show. Um, we've mixed it in various different environments and we tend to find it's best to sort of mix it at the gig because you get all of the noise and all the sounds yeah. and all yeah. the everything. Cause that's how it was always uh, imagined it would be that we would never be in an isolated room to mix the show. So what we do is, is we create these five stems out of um, all 90 channels. Yeah. So all of the drums down to one stem, all of the other, uh, all of the bass, all of the uh, guitars, keyboards, etc. Down so to those five each stems. stem mono or stereo, or are they all mono? Well, no, everything in, on our system is everything runs in mono. Right. And that was that was again through testing. We did all the testing at Sand Hill Studios. Actually, we had all the yeah. transmitters up in the fields, and we set towers up over there. And, hey. You know, and the and the uh, the the uh, uh, recording equipment was over there, all the playback equipment in, yeah. initially. Um, and that's how we sort of worked all that out as to how to create all those kind of stems as to, and then the other thing was, was that I was really aware because of my background, you know, as in, you know, certain musicians, shall we say, I mean, with the Elton band, don't get me wrong. They're all fantastic and they all play their backsides off all the time and everything's 99.9% .9 of the time. Perfect. Yeah. Um, but you would normally get sort of a lead singer that maybe not, you know, maybe not quite cut it in the live yeah. environment. So we had to sort of bear that in mind as well. And it was like, well, okay, what we could do is there's a lead vocal track, but what we could do is, is with the software we've got, we create these groups and yeah. there's the rest of the band like this. Yes. Yeah. So, so if it was a, if it was a vocalist for argument's sake, we, we've never come across it. We've done Tony Hadley, Peter Cox, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Nick Kershaw, all those guys, all great singers, all just really good fun guys that just don't, you know, they say, yeah, knock yourselves out. But we always had this element of like on that vocal track or any of the five stems that we could bring the rest of the band in so somebody wasn't naked. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Okay. It That's wasn't good. a naked vocal. So with Elton, it's Elton's vocal and piano. Luckily with Elton, we were able to bring the, all the track. The backing track is really, really quiet. Right. So okay, when right, you get okay. to, obviously we then distribute, well, skipped a little bit here, but out of our system, we then distribute that. You create an analog air gap. So I'm synced to Alan for all the audio coming in. We created an air gap through the ferrofishes that we used. Yeah. Then we then sync to the multiplexer that then does the transmission around the building. And that's, right, how, and that's right. how we do it. And then obviously there's an app that controls the receiver. And there you go. There you let's, go. Let's just explain that as well. Because, yeah, go on. So basically you have a, a disc receiver as, as a, yeah. a gig goer. You have the disc yeah. receiver, which has a pair of headphones coming out of it. Correct. You'd put into your ears and then you, yeah. on your phone, have an app, your receiver, and you're then, you then have those five stems that you can mix appropriately. So you might have, uh, a, a, in the case of Elton, for example, you have um, uh, vocals and piano. Correct. And then you might have bass, bass, bass. And then... Bass, guitar, drums, and whatever else keyboard. is, is yeah. in the, uh, yeah. other keyboards. Right. Yeah, so the, keyboards. the user then gets the, the opportunity to, especially, I mean... For me, the O2 is one of the worst venues that you can go and see a gig at. However, not that I would say that publicly, uh, but um, you know, you, if you're up on the sides, you don't always get the mix that you want. So just yeah. being able to poke that vocal up a little bit or bass or whatever the case may be yeah. just yeah. makes it a totally different experience. Now, I'm going to be really honest with you, mate, because when I came to that gig, I, yeah. was, really, I was really unsure of what yeah. to expect. And the thought of having 
headphones or earbuds in at a gig were just yeah. I didn't get it. If, I, if I'm no. don't get me wrong, I, I just no, 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 no. didn't get it. Now no. that said, when we went down there, because we went to uh, you and I went to the we went to the, yep. uh, the mix area, but we also went to the back, yep. where it's just about the worst place in a stadium to listen to to a gig. Yep. And I have to say, I was stunned on just yep. you know how you know how in your face it was. It was just yep. I was yep. at the gig still. I wasn't being separated from the crowd. I mean that, that that's all. I mean that's like five years of development. Well, we were three and a half years, four years yep. into it. That was then. just yeah. That you were still in but, beta, wasn't but you? we were you know we that was all discussed around the around the you know around the meet you know the meetings yeah. that we had in the company within the company this was all probably de all decided probably within the first two years yeah that you know you can't isolate people so you we, we had those little earpieces made specially yeah um i'm not sure whether you got to try those or they came later so you might have just been on a generic set of headphones i think i was generics yeah 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 but what happened was was we ended up with our own little tar um we we had them made for ourselves with a short cable so it went straight in so you didn't have lots of cable and stuff like that and then we had um earbuds that kind of were generic ones that sort of fit kind of fitted everybody but we know everybody's ears are different yeah, yeah. Know, but the, the the most important thing was was not to isolate somebody and to allow if you're at the back of the gig you want to feel the visceral energy of the gig yeah. and the atmosphere etc cetera, etc cetera. but because these weren't enclosed and you had enough headroom on the head amp on the rx to literally i mean it's it's a yeah. thing of beauty as far as i'm concerned because you yeah. You, you can hear all this like, yeah, I think I know what's going on with the band and I, I, all the guitar players come up front and you can't hear a thing or whatever. Because of the anomalies of the room, it's not sort of slagging anybody off or anything. It's just the anomalies of rooms yeah. and the dead yeah. spots you get around arenas and stadiums. And to just literally take anything from you've got nothing and then just, just to lace in what you want to lace in, boom, and there it all is. It's like, I mean, acoustic guitar is classic to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just feels like you can be anywhere and you know, not be, uh, you know, effectively punished. I mean, there are so, there's so much documented now of everything we've done. Yeah, you know about all those sort of scenarios. You know, where you stand behind the front of house desk and yeah. you've got two massive, great big sets of speakers, forty or fifty meters away, and you stand behind the front of house desk, behind the tent, if you like, yeah. walk out to one side, no bass. How does that work? Yeah. Yeah. walk to the other yeah. side no base and you go what where do, you know and that's what you're that's what you're fighting it's just a really 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 hostile environment and yeah. with regards to peaks you know the idea was was to put back what you've lost we're going to see peaks everywhere i think in the, in the near future i mean it's just a brilliant system and you know if uh, i would urge anybody that that uh, hasn't got the you know the concept of what we're talking about here to to go to peaks dot live that's p double -E x dot live and yeah. Elton's on there telling you about it because Elton's an investor as well isn't he so uh, he's he's a shareholder the shareholder so he's, yeah him and David are both share joint shareholders okay so but they're uh, behind we, the project and uh, yeah. they get it yeah I mean you know uh, oh somebody said to me uh, one of the guys said and it kind of made me feel good because obviously the Elton you know the introduction to Elton came through me which was lovely um was that the amount of marketing and PR that we got just by being part of the Elton John tour was you know astronaut the, the value yeah. is astronaut 
cool. Um, whether marketing got it right or not, that's a conversation you and I are going to have at some other time. Yeah. But whether they got it right at the time, but we're still here and we're we're looking to go head on into it. We eat a lot set up in America with even with the lockdown. Um, yeah. You know, with regards to driving movies, driving shows, whatever. There are a million applications that, you yep. know, as we move forward, we'll see. And I think every musician will will experience it and every gig I will experience it at yeah. some point. It's just yeah. it's the beginning of the technology. So it's quite exciting. But yeah. um, it then brings up a good point, really. And as you yeah. said, you know, you know, the uh, everything's happened with the virus over the last uh, few months has just been horrific, as we all know. Uh, and it's yeah. had a huge, huge bearing on live uh, industry. And for somebody such as yourself, whose career, other than the studios, has been based around the, you know, um, the live industry. What you're seeing out there at the moment must look, uh, you know, must look horrific. Well, yeah, I mean, I kind of, you know, with peaks and working from here and so on, and the guys, you know, with Richard, everybody's sort of active in the music business. I mean, you know, I've literally just had a coffee with Dougie, uh, uh, the drummer that plays up at, uh, he was the drummer in Book of Mormon. Right, and you can and you can imagine, jink, that was it, and it's like, uh, okay, what am I going to do now then? And yeah. nothing, you know, they've done nothing other than um, what they have been getting into, which I think is something you want to talk about a bit later. Is is the online side of things where you know you can do right. He gets a request to do something, he does it here. I've got my studio next door as well, which has got a green screen in it as well, by the way, so we can do right. sort of mini green screen stuff. He does his audio, sends his audio off, and then right. Richard actually right. does actually teaches online and so on so that came out of nowhere because right. they had to they, they all had to they kind of scramble it was full full squadron scramble really to sort of work out okay how are we going to survive this luckily we got a little bit of help from the local council uh with all the rate pay you know all the rate because yeah, yeah. every it pays individual rates on each individual room so they all got a little bit of a leg up there so at yeah. least that main that at least that meant um you know the, the the studios were still sort of like being able to sort of yeah, um, survive. Run. yeah 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 to run as as, as well, what yeah. it is and pay, yeah. pay the bills and stuff <laughs> me i'm just going to sit tight and see what happens i'm going to hang on to peaks um but what about, yeah what about um elton do you know where they were when when it kicked in they came back from i was like are you guys okay we, uh, yeah we're just on our way back from australia so they literally just finished the end of the australian tour which was into into march okay so um and i know because most of the americans that were on the elton tour were employed employees yeah. <coughs> excuse me uh, most of the brits i think like tony smith and simon uh were freelance so they right. were they were done uh right. simon i've seen simon a couple of times who's who's the chap that actually took my place looking after ray um and he's he's a technician that we worked on uh who did we work on we worked on cat stevens together and Cliff Richard and people like that. Um, and he's, that's it. He's gone back to building. So it's really, really sad from that point of view. I think yeah, Tony's all right. Yeah. Cause he's um, still pottering, doing his um, keyboard rigs and stuff. He's always got lots of work to do on keeping those. Things. Let's just think about, you know, coming, coming back now. <clears throat> I mean, as we sit here and record this today, there are some of the uh, restrictions are, are, are being loosened and we're allowed to go and, do a few bits here and there, but there's also talk about another outbreak in Beijing. Um, yeah. We know that uh, especially South America has been hit very badly in Brazil, so we are, one would expect that there's going to be a serious spread there. <clears throat> so we're probably still quite a way off of 
you know, uh, uh, major tours at least happening. Yeah, we had Brett Hume actually from who uh, who runs a, a pub locally last week. And oh, you're the the other pub guy. I yeah, saw yeah, that. Yeah. So yeah. and he was he was talking about you know even for them, which is a small venue, controlling that tiny environment it's, it's just hopeless so to do that in a stadium or a, a large theater or whatever it's just a no-go so no. in your mind how do you think we're going to get back uh to, you know from this position where we are now to filling out stadium again or getting back to festivals well i think uh, for from if if we use peaks as an example they've got some sort of everybody's sort of seen a little bit of um oh that's a good idea we could do this and it would enable so it's, it's a lot of things, a lot of common sense needed, but a lot of um, things that will actually enable to get back to doing something. And then, and then obviously maybe a vaccine and so on and so forth. But like you say, if there's other strains of it and God knows how long it's going to go on for. So I think the idea of this drive-in thing, which we're working with, with American companies in the States at the moment, where... So physically, just to, to, to be clear on this, so this is physically somebody will be able to go into a car park like the old driving movies yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's exactly car, what... a couple of people in the car they'll be able to go in and yeah. either use uh, um uh, like a, a speak a small speaker system or something like yeah. a system which would yeah. be much more favorable um yeah. uh to to, uh, to 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 enjoy in the gig so i think you think it's going to be much of that? I mean, I know there are, sorry, there are certain churches, gospel churches in, yeah. in America that are already playing to car parks effectively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's a, that's the way. But I mean, obviously, you've got some sort of weird things going on. If you think of, a, say, if you do this talk of us doing an outdoor show in Napa Valley, 1500 cars. Right. Okay. And the theory is, is that they set a big stage up, big video screens, the same as a normal gig, line all the cars up. And then what's the downfall is, is that everybody's got windscreen in front of them Um, or they cordon off X amount of space. So you can have that space and you're X amount of space away from that person next to you and so on. So you have chairs and so on and so forth. Then you all get back in your car again, then you all drive out. So that, that kind of works. Um, And the idea there would be, well, in the old days, we needed line of sight to do our thing. And the interest is, is that if we bring our transmitters lower down and go sideways with our transmissions and all the windows are open, then you start to get the bouncing around for the RF to work properly. So we've done all the tests here and we did all that behind windscreens. Even with windscreens, it still works. So I think now the only thing there is, is if you don't have a system like Peaks to enhance that, then you've lost it. And um, so... Our idea is is to if we could get you know or when we get the first one away, it's going to be a bit of a revelation that they're going to go. I tried it where I took a quarter inch uh, a mini jack, plugged it into my RX, plugged it into my aux in the car. It was like sitting in the studio. It was amazing. To you know, we were only doing playback on Elton kind of thing. But if you could do that, that would be an incredible thing to do sitting in the car. If not, you're outside the car. I don't know. You know, they're going to spend fortune on a big. The issue is, is because is, uh, I think you and I have touched on this before, but is, you know, you could effectively send it, you know, via FM or find some yeah. way of get, plugging into everybody's car systems, which yeah. actually would give an amazing sound inside. However, yeah. there's always going to be a latency issues. There's always going to be like a major delay of some description. Yeah. You're virtually, you're, you're stuck in your car listening to it. It's not, you haven't got that engagement, the connection. So uh, I, I think it's going to be, it's going to be a different. 
It's going to be an awkward one. I mean, luckily with our system, providing they've got a PA that pumps out enough volume, you know, with our system, you know, the fact yeah. it's got the microphone in it and it's got a, what we call a delay compensator, yeah. um, an algorithm that actually works out where you are in relation to the stage. So I'm hoping that that might sort of work for these types of gigs. Uh, other than using a system, like I, I don't understand, uh, you know, I don't understand yeah. how people are going to get that excited about it because I think it's going to be a bit of a wet squib really. Cause you can't, you know, you're not together. Do you know what I mean? All that, the whole, the whole dilemma is, you know, hideous, isn't it? The fact yeah, that absolutely. You know, we, we can't be together. What, what about going online? I mean, you, you know, I've done a you know, couple of fun tracks and everything. You put yeah, them yeah, in, yeah. But that's all good, good, you know, good fun. And that's me yeah. just being, you know, yeah. I, that's me just wanting to play bass, if I'm honest. But yeah, that would be else, brilliant. Else, I'll play with me. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it, so that's quite a nice outlet as a musician. You get to play, yeah. you can put something up, you can, you can work with somebody remotely. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's really, really good. However, yeah. you know, musicians have got... A, Oh, oh my somebody Lord. just pulled up out. Somebody just pulled up outside. Oh right, <laughs> um, sorry. That's all right. Uh, I, I, the, the, but the thing is, musicians have got uh, and crews and everybody got to start making money again soon. Yeah, we yeah. won't survive on the other side of this. Or uh, people won't. Or some people won't survive on the other side of this. So, um, how does that online opportunity? What what point do you think uh, people who are watching or you know bringing the you know, enjoying the content are going to pay for it? Oh, I don't know. It's a real difficult one, isn't it? I mean, I, I think a lot of us, I was talking to um, Elton's tech today, Dale, and he's got a similar setup to me. We kind of got like parallel lives, if you like. Yeah. He's got his studios and stuff. And he's, you know, we, you know, it's almost like we've become hermits, really, because we're sort of retracted into our places, into our buildings and our, uh, where we work. And now we're all sort of sitting there scratching their heads going, well, OK, now what can we do? And I think live, I mean, Obviously, live streaming takes a little bit of, you know, you've got to have reasonable connection, et cetera, et cetera, to make live streaming work. But maybe, you know, that will be more of the norm. I don't know. But how, how many people, I don't know. I don't know whether that would, for me to say, oh, Coldplay are doing a such and such and you can watch the show and you pay 10 quid and you can sit and watch it in your house at home and all this sort yeah. of stuff. It's not quite the same thing as going to a gig, is it? So yeah. it's, a re- it's a real dilemma. And how how the marketing people and how those how everybody's going to sort of piece that together yeah. to make to sell it i don't know it's, really it's, don't well, it's effectively pay to view isn't it it's, it's like watching the boxing yeah or yeah uh, yeah and I, and, I, and I think yeah it, it is a little difficult with bands because the, the question is i'm not saying this is the case but are we all used to now being able to watch you know, I mean, I'm sure if I go on YouTube, I'll find a, a great Elton yep. John gig. I can certainly find a, a Beyonce yep. or, or whatever. I can go and see a full gig there and get the experience and I can have a great yep. setup at home and listen to it and, yep. you know, dance with my friends if I want, you know, it, it, yep. it's there. So would I be prepared to take that and, and pay for it? That, that That's a different question. Yep. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, is that it's they've lost that, um, you know, if you think of the gig, you know, and you're at the gig and you're doing a, you know, you're in a stadium and, or sorry, you're in an arena and so on and so forth. I likened it to going and see one of the Beatles shows in Vegas. And I just went, you know what? I was at the show. Anybody could have walked up to me and said, you want to buy this? I'd have bought anything. Yeah. Now that's, that's the moment there. Now we've lost that. That's gone. So how do we do, how do we create that outside of 
actually physically be in there? Oh, that's a big ask. Yeah. I'm not sure there's a lot of people out there have got the answer right now. I know I'm kind of like <laughs> yeah, struggling with it. It's difficult, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it's really I mean everybody I've spoken to has uh, all said the same, which is we have to find a way through until people yeah. go into venues. I, I mean, I, I'm hoping, you know, my, my hope is, is that I'd be first in line to sort of start helping local pubs or whatever, you know, once they get going, I'm thinking, well, there's a social distance inside of things. So you've only got a certain amount of people. Let's get some more, let's get some of these young kids that are out there do, that can't do anything and try to help them get them in, you know, yeah. how you make it all work financially more than anything, yeah. Yeah. you know, are the young kids going to come in and play for nothing to try and sort of at least give something back to those pubs and clubs that have, you know, being part of our lives for so long. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that unfortunately a lot of them are going to have struggled through this and might not be there at the other end, but let's hope most of them do come through. Um, but I, you know, if I, you know, if I could, if I could go and get some guys from, you know, down the street and take them to the local pub and be there to help them, you know, yeah. PA and so on and so forth. I think there's got to be a bit of a everybody mucking in kind of scenario. Yeah, now. there's definitely a trend. I mean, I've certainly spoken to uh, actually on this cast. I've, I've spoken to at least a couple of people about there being a sense of responsibility from the musician as, as much as there is from the venue. And whilst yeah. you know the, the O2s of the world are you know a different proposition. Yeah. At you know ground level, so to speak. Yeah. Um, you know, we need to help the venues get back on their feet. That, that's my yeah. personal view. Yeah, and yeah, my yeah. band, for example, have offered to, to play free for, for a few venues locally um, yeah. in an effort to, um, you know, to help, you know, get uh, get um, audiences back in and at least, you know, get, uh, get the momentum going. But we can't yeah. obviously do that until... Um, uh, until we're, you know, it's safe to do so. And everybody yeah, well, there's, I mean, there's that sort of element to it as well, but then there's also the element of, you know, the, you know, the, the, the cash that people would normally have to go out and enjoy that time. But that's, that, that element has changed as well. And you've got to think, well, maybe, you know, there's got to be some help there as well, you know, with regards to getting people in, you know, even it, you know, I, I watched, uh, I think I mentioned to you earlier on before we started this, you know, that some of the gigs that they were hoping to set up in America, the ticket prices were like absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Now there's an element of everybody's gagging for it because everybody's busting to get out. Yeah. But common sense says, well, I'm not going to, you know, uh, you know, we've got to be careful with money now. We've got to be dirty. So the whole thing has got to be thought through. Yeah. And as no many people, yeah, well, and also as many people within the, within the business as well. So you publicans and you you know guys like us that you know have been doing it a long time, and I'd love to. I just love doing it, you know, and I do stuff for free all the time. Um, so is for us all to get back involved again, you know, yep. once it gets down to there's a vaccine and the pubs come back online, and you know, and then you know the beers aren't quite as expensive because people haven't got as much money that's great and then with the gigs the guys that come in and play for the gigs they don't charge as much money and yeah. so on and so forth to just try and help to re rejuvenate and regenerate maybe, that maybe thing. we should all campaign for a government assistance for every gig goer to get three you know pints of beer each or something oh, <laughs> freebies yeah absolutely that'd be the way for well listen that'd be the Peter, this has been fascinating. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much, mate. Really, right. really appreciate it. I hope we didn't go too far off piece, no, did we? Uh, listen, I'm, I'm sure, well, everything's been incredibly interesting. So it's, it's been great. And 
I, I hope your studios are full and running at full capacity soon. And um, uh, yeah, I, I will. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm hoping that in action yeah, we'll all we'll all be back to normal. Uh, you know, if it's not this year, then definitely everybody back to normal next year. You know, try and get some normality back. It'd be great. Absolutely. Thank you very been much. Great Pete. Fun, Appreciate it. Great fun, man. Thank you.